everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We are Tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Welcome back for part two. Jeffrey Dahmer. 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 Damn it, Dahmer. What did we name him in the first one? Monster McDahmer face? No. Dahmer McMonsterface. Dahmer McMonsterface. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) So this is part two of our Jeffrey Dahmer episode, and we threw up all the graphic warnings for part one. Threw them up. Yeah, they're still there. (laughs) We're not going to talk as much in detail about the murders this time, but they're going to come up. Oh, yeah. Everything's still described, which kind of brings me to, have you guys seen the uh, Netflix show? No. No, I have not. I'm excited to watch it, though. Okay. My only thing is, and you can tell me if this is correct or not, I've seen some criticism Mm -hmm. that it has, some people are not a fan because it makes them, it makes others empathetic towards Dahmer. Right. And I think we kind of touched on this in the first episode, but like, I think that comes naturally anyways, because of the way that he was you know, um, abandoned and he had all these issues growing up. So I think that a lot of people kind of lean towards that anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they're like, oh, poor Dahmer. But I think that it it does seem a little different than other sure horrific things that and you hear about. he owns up to his crimes. Yes, he does. From, from the beginning. Is. From yeah. beginning to end, he owns up, which I don't know. I think... For some people, that goes that goes a, a mile. Right. And as far as, like, people being unhappy with the show, I've heard that as well, but also because it's not, like, completely accurate. But I don't think it was ever intended to be – It's not supposed to be, like, a, a documentary. documentary. It's a yeah. dramatization. Dramatization. Dramatization, yes. which are popular. And I think Ryan Murphy created the show. Yes. And he did American Horror Story, which is why Evan Peters is there. We love him. But listen, and I'm probably – I mean, this is my Enneagram 9 social work heart. Okay. I can find empathy for anyone. Yeah. Same. I mean, people like Dahmer are not, they are created this way. He is a product of his environment, of his upbringing, of his trauma. And so, like, finding empathy for him, is that an excuse for why he did what he did? No. Exactly. But I I mean, there is empathy there. A a huge difference there. Just because you have empathy for a person doesn't mean you lack empathy for the victims. Everybody's a human. It's just, they're a person too. What's Everybody's interesting to me is that Evan Peters agreed to do this. And the reason why I say that is because I recently this summer went on an American Horror Story kick. And mm-hmm. whenever he stopped being in the seasons, mm-hmm. I Googled that. And essentially what I found is that he's a really happy-go-lucky, like, jokester kind of a guy and he was playing these really big mental Mm -hmm. serious and he was excellent at them oh yeah so good but it kind of took a toll on him mentally oh yeah and so for him to play Dahmer and it's just shocking he I think he did a great job I'm sure he did I've seen lots of previews I have not watched it because I have heard from other fellow true crime loving people like me that even for them it is very difficult to watch really I have heard that. Um, yeah. I mean, it is because of the nature of the crimes, I yeah. think. And they do a pretty good job of making him seem like a person. So mm-hmm. um, that part is a little bit difficult to deal with. But, you know, they kind of play up a lot of the relationships that he had with some of his victims that didn't really exist. Maybe in his mind they did. But, like, they played up some type of romance between him and Tony. Mm-hmm. And that didn't exist in real life. Right. But, you know, 
It may, makes good for the show, I guess. And I think, you know, obviously some of the family members were really upset about that, which I get. Sure, sure. Um, but overall, from like, I hate to say from like an entertainment aspect, but that's kind of what it, it is as a show. I thought it was very well done. I've heard very good things about it. I've just heard it's very difficult. Sure. And yeah. Like I said, maybe in a couple months I'll be okay with watching it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I plan to watch it. I just have not done that yet. I watched two other Dahmer documentaries. Um, yeah. I just did not watch the dramatization. I just mean like he, they, he did a great job playing such a flat affect and he's a phenomenal accent. actor. He I did love a him. great job with the Milwaukee accent. And by I love him, I meant Evan Peters. Yes. I did not mean Dahmer. Yeah. <laughs> Dahmer McMonster face. Yeah. Dahmer McMonster face. <laughs> I have heard that he did a very good job portraying him. I was surprised by Zac Efron in his oh, yeah. depiction of Ted Bundy, Bundy. so I, I can't wait to watch this. Too. I did love that one. <laughs> Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cult, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. In 1952, there was a record high of UFOs reported. 1,500 sightings. There has been evidence of human sacrifice, devil worship, and it is haunted by more spirits than can be counted. A family of two adults and two kids reportedly saw a giant flying thing with glowing red eyes. And meanwhile, the family's nanny that helped Veronica to care for her and Lucian's children was found bludgeoned to death in the basement of their family home. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and Uncorked. Shall we get into part two of Dahmer McMonsterface? We can't avoid it anymore. Here we go. Let's just do it. Let's get it done. So make sure you tune in to last week's episode because that is going to be the beginning of this story, which is Dahmer's upbringing, how he got to where he was, all of the murders, all of that stuff. Yep. So we're going to start. Um, so we left off um, July 1991 is the time frame we were looking at. And that was when his last kill was. And that was Joseph Braidhoft on July 19th, 1991. Okay. I'm going to pick up right after that on July 22nd of 1991. So Dahmer, as we kind of talked about last week, he's been escalating. There's really no time in between his kills. He's just going, 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 going. So this is three days later, July 22nd. He approaches three men with an offer of, he upped it, $100 oh. wow. instead of 50 Three men? <laughs> three men at one at time. One time. Oh, wow. So he offered them $100. Really yeah. I think he kind of started getting yeah. a little conceited, a little cocky. Mm-hmm. So he offered them $100 to accompany him to his apartment to pose for nude photos, drink, and hang out, which is his MO. One of the men agreed. The other two did not. And this man is Tracy Edwards. He's 32 years old. He agreed to go with him. Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, he immediately smells a foul odor and sees several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor. And Dahmer's like, oh, no, I just use that to clean bricks. Red flags. It's everywhere. just for my dinner. Okay. Red flags everywhere. It's for my tropical fish. Tracy is, <laughs> he's no fool. He is no fool. When Tracy is not looking, he gets handcuffed by Dahmer on one wrist. He's like, dude, what are you doing? What's happening? And Dahmer unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully tried to cuff his wrists together, but did not. So then he told him, look, let's go into the bedroom. Let's pose for these pictures. And Tracy notices when he gets to the bedroom that there are nude male posters on the wall with the Exorcist 3 playing in the background. Yep. He also saw that 57-gallon drum barrel in the corner. 
Yeah. And noted oh, that man. it smelled badly. Um, so if you were listening to last week's episode, at this point, there are three torsos in that gallon drum that are in acid. Hence the smell. So Dahmer then pulls out a knife and tells Tracy, you know, we're taking these nude pictures. So Tracy starts trying to appease him and placate him. And he unbuttons his shirt and says, I'll take the pictures if you unhandcuff me and you put that knife away. So Dahmer turns towards the TV at this point and begins to rock back and forth and starts chanting before he looked back at him. Um, he placed his head on Tracy's chest and listened to his heartbeat, which, as we said, he kind of had a thing for hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told him, with the knife pressed against him, that he would eat his heart. Creep. So Tracy told him repeatedly, like, hey, man, we're friends. I'm not going to run away. Again, he's just trying to appease him. Yeah. But he's planning his escape this entire time, Tracy said later. So he says he has to go to the bathroom. He has to go sit in the living room where there was air conditioning. He's just trying to get out of this bedroom at this point so he can have an exit. So Dahmer agrees. They go to the living room. And Tracy waits until he sees Dahmer kind of have that lapse in concentration again. And then he has to go to the bathroom again. So Dahmer agreed. Tracy gets up from the couch and at that point punches him in the face and ran out the front door. Good on him. Good on him. Mm -hmm. So at 11.30 p.m., Tracy flags down two Milwaukee police officers, Robert Ralph and Rolf Mueller. (laughs) Good job. I can never say Rolf. Rolf? Rolf. Rolf. Okay. And Rolf Mueller. (laughs) And they're at the corner of 25th Street. So the officers noted that he has one handcuff attached to a wrist, and he said that there is a freak who had placed them on him, and the police follow him back to the apartment where Tracy says he's been held for the past five hours. So they get to the apartment, Dahmer invites them in and says, yeah, I handcuffed him, but really had no explanation as to why he did this. So Tracy tells police about the knife. He tells them about him wanting to eat his heart. (laughs) Um, So they go to the bedroom to investigate because this is where this took place. And Dahmer attempted to get past one of the police officers at this point so he could like get the key to the handcuffs so they didn't have to go in his bedroom. Um, And the other officer was like, back off. Stay in the living room. So Mueller, the police officer, he's the one who found the large knife under the bed. And in the room, he also found all these Polaroid pictures of human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Um, And he said he could tell that they were taken in that apartment based off the background in the pictures. He brought the pictures out to the living room to show his partner and said, quote, these are for real. So Dahmer at that point sees that they have the photos and he knows the jig is up and starts fighting with police when they attempted to arrest him. So they handcuffed him. They call for backup at this point. Roth has him pinned on the floor in handcuffs. Mueller opens the fridge, and that's where he finds the freshly severed head of his most recent victim. Dahmer, like I said, is on the floor and says, quote, for what I did, I should be dead. They find four severed heads in the kitchen with a total of seven skulls found in the apartment. Gosh. They found um, collected blood drippings on a tray at the bottom of his fridge, two human hearts, a portion of arm muscle wrapped inside plastic bags, and in the freezer was an entire torso and a bag of human organs and flesh that was, like, frozen to the ice. They also found two entire skeletons, a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and three further dismembered torsos dissolving in that acid. Hmm. 
So there was 74 pictures, Polaroid pictures that were found that detailed dismemberment of several bodies. The chief medical examiner at the time said, quote, it was more like dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. So this all happens, like I said, July 21st, July 22nd. So July 23rd, in the early hours of the morning, Dahmer is questioned by Detective Patrick Kennedy and Detective Dennis Murphy. Over the next two weeks, they conducted several interviews that totaled over 60 hours. Dahmer pretty much right away waived his right to have a lawyer present and said that he wanted to confess. Quote, I created this horror and it only makes sense I do everything to put an end to it. End quote. He admitted to having murdered 16 young men since 1987 in Wisconsin and one victim in Ohio in 1978, total of 17 victims. He said that most of his victims were unconscious before they were killed, but some did die as a result of having, like we talked about last week, acid or boiling water injected into their brain. Dahmer said he had no memory of killing Stephen Toomey, who was his second victim, the first in um, Wisconsin. And he said that he did not know how he died. He did admit that it was possible that while he was drunk, he may have tried to take his heart from his chest, literally, with his hands, hence the bruised chest. Dahmer admitted to necrophilia and to committing sexual acts with their organs, tissue, their viscera, um, when dismembering them. Viscera, yes. Viscera. He explained that he would remove their internal organs first because the blood would pool in their chest, and then he would suspend the torso above the tub so the blood drained into it, and would then cut out the organs that he did not want to keep and cut them into small pieces, paring the flesh from the body. He described to the detectives how he pulverized the bones or would place them in acid and that some were used to aid in the preservation of the skeletons that he did keep. He admitted to eating hearts, livers, biceps, and portions of thighs of several victims. He said he would tenderize the flesh and organs prior to eating them in meals with various condiments. Detectives discussed with him his increase in his rate of killing in the final two months, and he said he, quote, was completely swept along and said, quote, it was an incessant and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. He said he had been in the process, so this is why he kept all these skulls. He was making a private altar of their skulls and wanted to display it in his living room. He even drew a picture for police depicting how he had imagined it to be and said it was going to be a place where he could meditate and just sit and stare at it. Uh. And he told them if they had found him six months later, they would have found the altar of skulls. He was just trying to get that many skulls built up. Jeez. Only a couple days later, July 25th, 1991, Dahmer is charged with four counts of first-degree murder. By August 22nd, he was charged with a further 11 murders. On September 14th, investigators in Ohio uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in wooded area behind where Dahmer confessed to killing the first victim. These were later identified as Stephen Hicks, um, and they found two molars and a vertebrae there. Three days later, he was charged with another count of murder for Stephen Hicks. So altogether, that is 16 counts of murder. He was not charged with the attempted murder of Tracy Edwards. And Tracy was, you know, the guy who basically led police to him. Mm -hmm. And he was not charged with the murder of Stephen Toomey, um, which was his second kill. So he was not charged with Stephen's murder on purpose because the DA only brought charges 
where he thought murder could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt, and Dahmer claimed to have no memory of this murder. So he didn't want a technicality to throw this out. Got it. Um, so January 13th, 1992, at a preliminary hearing, Dahmer pled guilty, but insane, to 15 counts of murder, since that last count is in Ohio. So this was just in Wisconsin. Okay. Well, we'll call it a trial, but the trial began on January 30th of 1992. Uh, he was tried in Milwaukee for the 15 counts of first-degree murder, and the judge at the time was Lawrence Graham. And since he had already pled guilty to um, these murders at his preliminary hearing, the trial was actually just to determine his state of mind since he pled guilty by reason of insanity. Mm -hmm. And if he was found insane, he would be sent to his psychiatric facility and could appeal for the uh, for release every six months. Basically, what you're going to see, the theme here, it's pretty self-explanatory, I feel like, but the prosecution claims that it really didn't matter either way. It didn't impact his ability to resist his impulses, and the defense is going to argue that he suffered from a mental disease and was driven to or driven by obsessions and impulses that he wasn't able to control. So first up is defense expert, Dr. Fred Berlin, and he argued that Dahmer was insane due to his necrophilic drive. Uh, the second expert for the defense was Dr. Judith Becker. She was a professor of psychiatry and psychology. She diagnosed Dahmer as a necrophiliac, but clarified that Dahmer had told her he preferred comatose partners to deceased partners 75% of the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. The last defense expert was a forensic psychiatrist named Dr. Carl Wallstrom. He diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, and then I cannot pronounce this, or at least I don't think I can, but it's schizotypal. Schizotypal. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I did it. Schizotypal personality disorder. Do you know what that is? Can you help us explain that? So schizotypal um, has paranoia, paranoia and basically paranoia, ideation, suspiciousness, mm -hmm. um, whereas schizoid personality does not. Okay. Which is interesting. Like, what was he paranoid about? Um, them leaving him, maybe? Okay. Abandonment. So, mm -hmm. it says people with schizoid personality, which he had been diagnosed with way back when, do mm -hmm. not desire close relationships, kind of like how I said earlier, but people with schizotypal personality disorder may want these relationships, but their symptoms make it difficult to foster said connection. Well, that definitely makes sense for his uh, adult mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. So in addition to his schizotypal personality disorder, he also had alcohol dependence, which we knew. <gasps> Shocker. I know. And a psychotic disorder. That's all they said about that. On February 8th, Dr. Fred Fosdell testified as the prosecutor's uh, first expert. He testified that Dahmer did not have a mental disease or defect at the time he committed the murders. He described Dahmer as cunning and calculating and able to differentiate between right and wrong with the ability to control his actions and whose lust overpowered his morals. Mm. He concluded that he believed that Dahmer was a paraphiliac, which is sexual interest in anything other than a consenting human being. He's Pretty not wrong. Broad. Yeah. But he's not wrong. But he wasn't a sadist, is what he said. He's not a sadist, but he is a paraphiliac. The second witness for the prosecution was forensic psychiatrist Park Dietz. He testified that he did not believe Dahmer had any form of mental disease or defect at the time he committed the crimes. He also stated that Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with his victim and to have no witnesses. Mm -hmm. 
He explained that there was a lot of evidence that showed that Dahmer prepared for each murder in advance and that proved the the crimes were not impulsive. Dietz noted that Dahmer identified with the villains of The Exorcist 3, which you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. He was watching that movie. He loved the movie. And Return of the Jedi. I watched one documentary that said that The Exorcist 3 was how he kind of pumped himself up for Before the kills and yeah. for also on the sexual scale. Yes. Which is an interesting show, too. Have you seen Exorcist 3? No. I've only seen the first one. I Obviously. <laughs> I think this is the one I told you about. This is so weird, but this is what I always said that the guy playing the the one of the main characters is my grandpa's doppelganger. Yes, oh. we talked about this. Yes, and so that's all I could think about the whole time when I was watching it. And that was a cursed movie set, wasn't it? Uh, probably yes. The I Exorcist was. I don't know if the Exorcist three was. Um. Hmm. Anyways, it was on Netflix for a long time. Check it out. They really played that part up though in the Dahmer series on Netflix this time. Hmm. So. Anyways, back to Dietz. He explained that sometimes Dahmer would watch these scenes um, prior to searching for one of his victims, and he diagnosed him with substance use disorder, paraphilia, and schizotypal personality disorder. We're seeing a theme. There were two court-appointed mental health professionals who testified independently from either the defense or prosecution. They were forensic psychiatrist George Palermo and clinical psychologist Samuel Friedman. Palermo stated that the murders were a result of Dahmer's pent-up aggression that he had towards himself, which one of you mentioned mm-hmm. at some point, um, and that he killed the men because he wanted to kill the source of his homosexual attraction to them. Palermo diagnosed him with severe mixed personality disorder, with antisocial, obsessive, compulsive, sadistic, fetishistic, which sounds made up, but it's a word, I guess, borderline and necrophilic features, but otherwise legally sane. Sounds like a lot of things to not be sane, but he's he's sane. Friedman testified that Dahmer was not psychotic and that he killed because he was longing for companionship. He described Dahmer as, quote, friendly, pleasant to be with, courteous, with a sense of humor, conventionally handsome, and charming in manner. He was, and still is, a bright young man at the time he was alive. Uh, He diagnosed Dahmer with a personality disorder, with borderline, obsessive-compulsive, and sadistic traits. We're seeing all over the board here. So the closing arguments, um, the trial really only lasted two weeks, and each attorney was given two hours to give their closing arguments. The defense attorney, uh, Gerald Boyle, there he is. Boyle's back. <laughs> uh, he went first, and he referred to the testimony of the mental health professionals that testified on the defense's behalf, um, and they all agreed that Dahmer had a mental health disorder. Sure. He, I think everyone can agree yeah. on that. <laughs> and he stated that Dahmer's killings were a result of, quote, a sickness he discovered, not chose. He explained that Dahmer was just super lonely and very, very sick and, quote, so out of control, he could not conform his con- conduct anymore. Prosecuting attorney Michael McCann was next, and he painted a totally different picture, as you can expect. He described Dahmer as a sane man who was in full control of his actions and attempted to avoid getting caught. He also said that Dahmer killed his victims so that he could completely control them and fulfill his own sexual urges. He explained that Dahmer was only seeking the insanity plea so that he could escape responsibility for his actions. Mm. February 15th, 1992, Judge Graham announced that Jeffrey was sane and responsible for his behavior during the time of his murders. The, sen- the sentencing was two days later on February 17th. 
Um, family members from the victims were invited to give uh, victim impact statements. And this was part of the documentary we, we keep speaking of. And oh my God, they are so sad. Uh, it was just tears. Like the sister was up there just bawling and she just loses it completely. And it shows her just screaming at him and he's just straight face looking at the ground or the desk, not even making eye contact and just kind of taking it. It's just very, very sad, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, he got he gets up and he addressed the court and really he was just addressing uh, the judge and speaking to the judge. But he did say, Your Honor... It's over now. This has never been a case of trying to get free. Frankly, I want a death for myself. I feel so bad for what I did to those poor families. I understand their rightful hate. I'll have to turn to God to get me through each day. I should have stayed with God. I tried and failed. I know my time in prison will be terrible, but I deserve whatever I get because of what I've done. Thank you, Your Honor, and I'm prepared for your sentence, which I know will be the maximum. I ask for no other consideration. Do you guys think he actually felt remorse? I kind of do. I do think he did feel remorse, but not like to the level. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to explain. I feel like. Yeah. I think that he acknowledged that what he did was not right. One of the documentaries was called Dahmer on Dahmer. um, And it was an interview with himself. Somebody interviewed him. The other one was Mind of a Monster. But during Dahmer on Dahmer, she asks him, like, how do you feel about it? And basically, he says, like, I know what I did was wrong. Right. But he went to great lengths to disassociate mm-hmm. that he didn't see these people as people. He saw them to kind of a means to an end. Even during the trial, he said, well, the victim impact statements were happening. He said, yeah, they have every right to feel that way. Mm-hmm. But still... Like, he refused to wear his glasses so he wouldn't have to see these people as people. He went to great lengths to, dis- to disassociate, and that's why I don't think that – I think he tried not to feel empathy. Yeah. I think so, that's where his mental health disorders really come into play, though, like that disassociation and just, Right. Oh. With those kind of personality types, so the schizoid and the schizotypal, like, he doesn't form connections with others. Yeah. And so, like, I think he very well knew what was right and wrong. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. knew what was right. He knew what was wrong. He knew what he was doing was not right. But I don't think he could feel the empathy for them. some diagnoses there. But, I mean, it's a very complex situation, really, to determine was he sane or insane, I think. So just a few more things. On February 17th of 1992, Jeffrey Dahmer was sentenced to 15 consecutive life terms for the murders he committed in Milwaukee, which was a total of 957 years. So the death penalty was not an option because Wisconsin had gotten rid of capital punishment in 1853. Um, And three months later, he was sentenced in Ohio to an additional life term for the murder of Stephen Hicks. He wasn't getting out. No, no, not for 957 years. Plus an additional life term. Yes. <laughs> a thousand years. Yes. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that he didn't spend time in a Wisconsin prison. He went to the Columbia Correctional Institution, where during the first year of his incarceration, he was placed in solitary. So this was due, obviously, to concerns for his physical safety when around other inmates. Both like high for, profile? Yeah, stuff? high profile, yeah, high child profile, killing, child. Mm-hmm. homophobia. Mm-hmm. I think there's several things, things that went into play sure. for that one. A, a year goes by, and with Dahmer's consent, he was transferred to a less secure unit and assigned a two-hour work detail cleaning the toilets. 
He was granted the request for a Bible, and upon his father's urging, he devoted himself to Christianity. He was baptized in May of 1994 in the prison Whirlpool. In July of the same year, fellow inmate Osvaldo Deruthi attempted to slash his throat, Dahmer's throat, with a razor embedded inside of a toothbrush Mm. as he sat in the prison chapel. The wounds were superficial, though, and he wasn't seriously hurt. During this time, he maintained close contact with his father, his stepmother, stepmother, and his estranged biological mother while she was still alive. And his family grew concerned over his safety in prison, knowing that he was a huge target, which they were correct about. Yes, Um, I'm sure he was. But they would later recall that Dahmer was ready to die. They could tell that he didn't have any concerns about his own safety, that whatever happened to him happened to him, and he acknowledged that he deserved whatever came to him. He had accepted any punishment that he might endure in prison. So, on the morning of November 28th, still in 1994, Dahmer left his cell and went to report to his assigned work detail. He was with two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. They were unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for about 20 minutes, and around 8.10 a.m., Dahmer was found on the floor of the bathroom suffering from extreme head wounds. His head and face had been bludgeoned with a 20-inch metal bar, and his head had reportedly been struck against a wall. He was still alive when he was rushed to the hospital, um, but he was pronounced dead within an hour. Jesse Anderson, one of the other guys working the detail with him, had also been beaten and died from his wounds two days later. So that leaves Christopher Scarver, who was serving a life sentence for a 1990 murder. He went back to his cell and informed authorities that he first attacked Dahmer as he was cleaning and then attacked Anderson. Immediately after attacking the men, Like I said, he went back to the the cell and told the guard, God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. So Scarver, who was thought to be schizophrenic, was adamant that he hadn't planned the attacks in advance, even though he later admitted to concealing the metal bar in his clothes shortly before the killings. He was sentenced to two additional life terms for the murders of Dahmer and Anderson. And... Dahmer's family was devastated, and I think this is the part yes. in the documentary that absolutely killed me. Oh, man. Because the thing is that Dahmer did the crimes. His family did not do the crimes. That's the hardest thing about really any criminal is that there are so many victims, and it's not just the victims who are killed. It's their families and the murderers' families as well suffers from, I assume, you know, that they – and. and Obviously, in this documentary, you can see firsthand his poor papa. Yeah, I think, you know, so sad. I, I think his dad just wanted to see the best in him. He did turn turn a blind eye to I several so. things. Yeah. But on the other hand, he also made several attempts to reach out to judges. And uh, whenever he was in prison for the child molestation scandal. Was it the... Oh, the first one. The yeah. first one. Mm-hmm. His yeah. dad wrote to the judge and was like, my, my son really needs mental health 
uh, need help. He did. professional. Like yes. he, mm-hmm. he needs help here. And he didn't get it. And I think he reached out on at least one other occasion. Yeah. So he had tried. And then, of course, when he goes to prison after all of the sentencing, he tries to get him to turn to, to God and just mm-hmm. try and do one last salvation. And so his family was devastated. His mother responded angrily to the media saying, now is everybody happy? Now that he's bludgeoned to death, is that good enough for everybody? And the response of the families was kind of mixed. Some were happy that essentially he got what was coming for him, coming to him like he was bludgeoned. He didn't die in a peaceful manner. But others were sad that he was no longer suffering like Mm -hmm. they were suffering. Um, And he really didn't serve much time. He Mm -hmm. did not serve much time at all. No. So the Oxford apartments where Dahmer killed 12 of his victims were demolished in November of 1992. The site is still a vacant lot. They've tried to turn it into several things, and it just hasn't come to fruition. Dahmer's estate was awarded to the families of 11 of his victims who had sued for damages. And his possessions were then destroyed and buried in an undisclosed landfill in Illinois. There are countless books, podcasts, movies, documentaries about him. He's uh, generally a household name. Mm -hmm. One of the most infamous serial killers. When it comes to serial killers. um, I don't know. This one was kind of a rough one for many things, for how terrible and unfathomable the crimes were, but also... It kind of gets into like where did things go wrong? You know, just everything. It starts out like there are some sources that say his mother took 27 pills while she was pregnant with him. Mm. So was there some sort of chemical imbalance or issue with development in the womb and he was doomed from the beginning? Was it the issues uh, within the family unit? Was it something else? I think it was a perfect storm of nature and nurture. For him, um, that things just nothing went in his favor. It's also though he was a heavy drinker from the age of fourteen, mm-hmm. and look at the long term effects that alcohol has on your brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to affect his thinking skills, his cognitive skills, all of that kind of stuff. So he's not thinking things through. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> very not. impulse driven. Yeah. So I think that also probably had a huge effect on it. Supposedly, there's a good book out there. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's lots of good books uh, about Dahmer. <laughs> written by Pat Kennedy, who was one of the detectives who interviewed him for the first 60 hours you were mm-hmm. talking about. I tried to look it up, but it wasn't at the library. <laughs> oh, were you going to read it? I was going to listen to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Don't push me. I was going to listen, but it wasn't available. You know, listening to a book is the same as reading. Is it? it please don't take that from me. Yes. Because Boydson will be offended. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then. I was going to You're listen to You're digesting the information anyways. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but it wasn't available, so whenever okay. I find it. I was telling her I, I tried to look it up on Amazon, but it was only available on Audible. And mm. I didn't want to subscribe. Anyhow. Well, that's a doozy. It is a doozy. So I I knew that Dahmer was dead, obviously. Yeah. I did not realize how he died. Murdered. Yeah. I saw it in a TikTok video. <laughs> Gosh. Our generation, I'm I sorry. <laughs> I didn't know either that he was bludgeoned to death in prison until I... I thought he got the chair, honestly. Nope, not in Wisconsin. It. I think it is sad that he... It doesn't sound like he was killed because of who he was. He was just 
maybe a person who this guy took some I mean, he obviously out had a target on his back and i don't think anybody sure. held that back at all uh, somebody one of the documentaries said that he didn't fight for his life like he just laid there and took it he I mean, took it the like beating he, he wanted to die like you said mm-hmm. and he knew he told police when they yeah, were arresting insane. him he said i should die for what i've done right which makes me feel like he's not insane. I yeah. don't think he's insane he at all. He fully understands. That is my perspective from never having met with him. <laughs> <laughs> never met or talked to him. But. Never met him. <laughs> but no, he knows right from wrong. He knew what he was doing was wrong, but he... Couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. He had the obsessive compulsive tendencies. He detached, like you said, dissociated. He knew what he was doing was wrong. To intentionally not wear your glasses to the trial so that you wouldn't have to have mm-hmm. feelings or connect with somebody. Mm. That's just a very intentional way of coping. And everything I've heard about him from interviews that I've seen, um, he seems very flat. Matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, I did this. Yep, this is why. He's very yep, flat. I should die. Yeah, one of the interviews he was starting to talk about, um, I think it was the Stephen Hicks murder, and he was like, I don't feel comfortable talking about this on the on the recording. Mm -hmm. Like, what if the family has to hear this? Do you need to hear every detail? I don't want them to be uncomfortable. And they said that's why he remembered all these details, is that he didn't remember the person, he remembered the the crimes and the bodies. He just went to such great lengths to disassociate the person so that wouldn't cloud his memories. He's Wild. a true serial killer. Well, we got that one out of the way. Sociopath. We have but done with that one. You mentioned all these psych diagnoses he got. I didn't hear a single sociopath or psychopath I in just there. diagnosed him myself. Do you, would <laughs> you put that to him? Either of those? Um, I know you mentioned one of them. I, I don't remember who. I said psychopath at one point. Okay. Sociopath seems more fitting. I don't know. I heard you say one of them didn't said he was not a sadist, and I would agree yes. with that. I don't think he's a sadist, because mm-hmm. I don't think that he was doing... He wasn't killing them for sexual gratification. Yeah. He was killing them so he could have that body to right. take advantage of. That was his ultimate goal. Control. The control and the, yeah. And snuggling. <laughs> That's what he wanted. Um, I'm being serious. I, TBD. I don't know if I would give him a sociopath or psychopath. Because I don't know if I can say that he lacked empathy. Because he dissociated so much. So he didn't give himself the opportunity to have mm-hmm. empathy. Right. And like I said, you know, with that personality disorder, that type, um, it can be confused as being on the spectrum because they can't relate to people. So I think that's probably part of it. It's not like, you know, Bundy who could be charming and charismatic right. and could relate to people because he had other relationships right. that were meaningful in his life. You know, it's not like that. Dahmer didn't have meaningful relationships. He didn't have that charisma. Right. He was luring people with money and with sex. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week for our part two of our Dahmer episode. Make sure you check out last week's episode. Otherwise, you're going to be very confused throughout this episode. (laughs) (laughs) You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it really does help. All right, guys. We will catch you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.